Hello again and welcome to episode three of Talking Chop. This is the NCAA baseball tournament preview, regional preview. We were going to discuss all things FSU baseball going into the Athens regional where they will be taking on FAU on Friday afternoon at noon. And today I'm joined by V89's Brett Rutherford, also the host of Raise Your Voice, Tampa Bay Rays podcast. How are you doing, Brett? Yeah, you know, I'm, re- I'm really glad to uh, finally be a part of uh, Talking Chop. I know this has kind of been a, a work in progress the last few months. Uh, glad it's kind of come to fruition. And yeah, like you, like you said, uh, spent a lot of time talking about uh, Major League Baseball, but obviously a big fan of the college game as well. And uh, there's going to be a lot of fun baseball these next few weeks. Yep, glad to have you on. Yeah, if you haven't given Brett Rutherford a follow yet on Twitter, what is your Twitter again, Brett, if you it's, want to find uh, that? At BG. My last name is R-U-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D at B-G Rutherford 99. All right. Give that man a follow. Give Raise Your Voice a follow and a listen. And let's get into the talk right now for Florida State Baseball. They will be playing FAU, the FAU, Florida Atlantic University <laughs> in Athens at noon tomorrow on ESPN3. They come, FAU comes into this regional with a 40 and 19 record with 22-8 and eight in the conference, Conference USA to be exact. They won the conference regular season, and they lost in the conference tournament championship game 4 to nothing at the hands of Southern Mississippi. So this FAU team is a power – Is they got some decent bats, let's say that, Brett. I don't know if you'd have to agree, but they're going to be – they're going to give FSU some troubles at the plate. And uh, there's some guys that – they're going to be highlighted like Eric Rivera, who leads the team with a 340 average. Francisco Rivas, who's also another heavy hitter for them. What's going to what's it going to take for FSU to win this game? Let's put it that way. This game specifically, uh, it's really going to come down to, to how well Drew Parrish does against mm-hmm. the Owls. Uh, you mentioned a couple names in that lineup. Uh, I just want to take yeah a quick time to run through uh, Francisco Urbaez. I'm not sure how you pronounce that name. Urbaez, yeah, I probably or, botched that. I'm sorry, um, Francisco. <laughs> transfer out of Chipola College, obviously not that far from here. They won the last two mm-hmm. national championships, and he's a part of that team. This season, he's hitting 330. He's got 10 home runs and 51 RBIs. But if you really look at this this FAU lineup as a whole, it looks like eight of their nine starters are hitting above 300. The only guy with a sub-300 average is their catcher, Gunnar Lambert. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, that, that Drew Parrish has struggled uh, as of late. Uh, and it's really going to come down to, to how well he can pitch uh, tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, and like Brett said, he has struggled in his last couple outings. In his last three, FSU is 1-3 and three with an 8-2 win over Richmond. That was the one win. And then a 14 loss at and a seven to four loss against Wake Forest in the ACC championship or in the ACC tournament first round first round of pool play, so he's been struggling. But what exactly of his game has been struggling? Like he's been, it doesn't seem like he's been able to get efficient outs and just been able to close down innings. It's kind of seemed where he just lets them get away from him sometimes. Yeah, it's it's just been really inconsistent. I think the strikeouts are still there. You know, he ended up uh, with over a hundred strikeouts. Mm-hmm. on the season but but the era kind of just gradually increasing as we moved from you know the non-conference schedule into acc play uh and it just was a lot more inconsistent than i think a lot of florida state fans were expecting out of drew Parrish. uh you know cj van Eyck probably became the ace of this staff towards the end of the season 
uh, but they're still choosing to go with Parrish uh, for game one against FAU. And he's get, he's, he's going to be opposed by uh, Blake Sanderson of FAU, most likely. Uh, and you look at their numbers, pretty similar. Both will probably go five or six innings, give up three or four runs. They're not great. I think it's almost going to be a case of who's going to make the most mistakes, not who's going to be the most dominant uh, tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm thinking three or four runs for Parrish right now might be an understatement there. Maybe for Sanderson, that's an, uh, a good number. But the top half of the or the better hitters on this FAU lineup don't really strike out too much. Like Urbias and Rivera, they have 52 strikeouts between themselves total. So I mean, if he's going to want to get runners out, I think it's going to have to be with ground balls and pop flies. He's going to have to make them swing out of their shoes in order to them them to get out he can't rely on that strikeout and that curveball like he has so often this season and past seasons yeah yeah and anyone going into this game thinking that FAU is the team from Conference USA that doesn't have the same caliber of players uh, that Florida State has then that you don't know Florida high school baseball and the type of talent that comes out of the state of Florida that FAU has built this their roster around I mean you know, uh, lower level D1 and even in the JUCO and D2 schools out of the state of Florida are just as good, if not better, um, than a lot of the big time D1 schools up north. As that is true. I know from firsthand, I grow, I've grown up in Boca Raton, Florida. I'm actually in Boca right now. I went to FAU's baseball camps for the longest period of time. I played with, I've played with the head coach's sons in high school and just put this in perspective for what they've done in the past. Since 2010, they've had one, two, three, six NCAA tournament appearances, including this one this season. They've had uh, one Sun Belt title and two, one Sun Belt uh, conference title, two Sun Belt conference championships, and then two Conference USA championships, including this year's. So, Coach Mack and Coach Mack has done some great things down there, and he's certainly built this into a powerhouse. And they've had some really good players drafted out of there in recent years, like Tyler Frank, who's now with yep. your Tampa Bay Rays. Yep. He's not been called up yet. I think, was he single A or double A this season? Uh, I, I, I want to say he's in Bowling Green with the hot rods. Uh, I could be wrong there. Um, he is actually, no, he is in high A in the Florida State League with the Charlotte Stone okay. Crabs. He's not off to okay. the best start, but hey, high A, you know, that's when uh, the boys become men. Yeah, things start get real up there. So, yeah, FAU's been building a solid program there, starting with coach Kevin Cooney back in the early, back in the early 90s. So they're, they're nothing to scoff at in terms of what the talent they bring to the table. So moving on now to the other half of this pool or this bracket, whatever you want to call it, George, the number four team in the nation, Georgia Bulldogs, are the hosts, and they come into this season – there, let's just say this is. I think was this. This has been their one of their best seasons since the nineties. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. It, it just, like, for them to pull off the number four national seed at the beginning of the season, I don't think anyone would have projected that this Georgia team would, would play that well. But <laughs> they are full of talent. They've got some great arms and another really really strong lineup. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this. I don't know if you've been as confused about Georgia baseball as I have for the longest time because. Growing up playing travel ball and going to these tournaments, you hear a lot about the teams in Georgia, especially in that North Georgia area, just about two hours outside of Athens. And those kids are just raw. They can swing the bat. They can top out at whatever. They can top out in the 90s just in high school. And it's always been crazy 
think for me is like, why doesn't George, how can Georgia not recruit these kids and not bring them over here? And how do they not contend for a national title every year? How are they losing these guys to Vandy? How are they losing these guys to South Carolina? And Only Florida, Florida. And whoever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, the SEC has been one of the toughest baseball conferences in the country. And to have to, to for, for Georgia to not have been as nationally prominent these last few years, uh, I think this year the success they've had has to be a testament to how well they've recruited their own state. Um, because like you said, yeah, kids getting poached up in Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, Arkansas, some of these, some of these other really, really big baseball powerhouses uh, that Georgia has had to compete with when it comes to recruiting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and put this in perspective, as like FAU, where they've had a lot more success as of recently, since 2010, same time frame that I used for FAU, Georgia's only made the NCAA tournament three times, 2011, 18, and then this year in 19. So it's just been baffling that they haven't been able to pull this off and get solid appear and make solid appearances and consistent appearances in the postseason. And that's also just a testament to how the, good the rest of their conference is. Yeah. But it's also just confusing as to what they haven't been able to do. But getting back to this year's Georgia Bulldogs team, they're 44 and 15 with and 21 and 9 in the conference. They have been just playing solid baseball this whole season long. I don't think they've had a doubt in their minds since the beginning of this year that they can't be that they don't have a chance at being in Omaha. So I think they I think there's a very good chance that they do end up in Omaha, but obviously with one of the tougher brackets in the nation are in both of our opinions that easily get upset here. I don't know. Like they, they do have a solid, they have solid core and it's just going to come down to, are they going to be able to get the job done early on in games? Yeah. And, and when you really get into this NCAA baseball tournament, it's not always won and lost by those, by those stars. Uh, a lot of times you get into the seventh or eighth inning, you're on your, you know, your fifth or sixth pitcher out of the bullpen and there's a lot of walks, a lot of ugly baseball. So it's, it's really going to, I think, be, mm -hmm. be more, you know, the NCAA baseball tournament is really up to how deep are you? How many guys do you trust out of the bullpen? How many guys do you trust off your bench to come in and make clutch hits, make clutch plays in a field and, and pitch the ball really well? And I do think Georgia is loaded with some great talent. Uh, the biggest question mark, though, is, is their roster as deep as a Florida State and as a Florida Atlantic? Yeah, I, I mean, here's going into their bench or going into the players who don't get as much playing time. They have three – I'm looking at their top four batters right now off their bench. Shane Marshall, Connor Tate, Austin Bigger, and Randon – Randon, yeah, Randon Jer Jerrigan. So those three guys are all batting above 240, 245 to round that. And they all can hit pretty well. They all get on base. They all have a pretty good average slugging percentage-wise. All of them are in the 300 plus, two of which are over 230. So, I mean, they can get the job done. It's just going to be a matter of what are they going to be able to do when their numbers call them. And who knows if and when that will happen. But their pitching, though, their pitching has also been huge for them. They have their three main starters this year. Emerson Hancock, Tony Lucy, and Tim Elliott are all having solid, solid years. Three of their – was it Hancock has a 156 ERA, 8-2 and two on the season in 13 games. One complete game also. And over, what is this, 94 strikeouts. 
So, I mean, they're doing a solid job in terms of their starters right now. And I think that's going to be the big part for them that's going to carry them through this regional, especially with the depth that I'm just seeing in this pitching roster mm-hmm. all the way down to their bullpen. Yeah. What yeah, do you, think? You, you look at Hancock, and I want to focus on a couple more of uh, his stats from the season. He's got a mm-hmm. .78 whip, which is uh, walks plus hits per innings pitch. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, he held opponents to a 167 batting average. And in over 86 and a third innings pitch, he only had one wild pitch. So this guy's going to pound the strike zone. He's going to get strikeouts. <laughs> He's got nasty stuff. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the 1.56 ERA and the 8-2 and two win-loss record. Uh, the ace of this staff, without a doubt. Uh, luckily for Florida State, I don't think they're going to have to face Hancock unless it's later on in this regional, um, you know, if they get past mm-hmm. FAU and play Georgia in game two. Um but like you said, they got Tim Elliott and a bunch of other arms uh, that can follow Hancock up. Yeah, so the, I mean, even down to their pen, they have still two guys in their pen that don't get. Uh, they have started a total of twenty-two games combined. Darren Pasqua, Pasqua and Ryan Webb. They both sport ERAs under two. So I mean, even once you get to their pen, it's like they still got guys that can strike you out and force you to just not make contact with the ball in general. So. They have some depth, and that's certainly going to be scary. And going back to what we said about this being just an overall tougher regional, there is one weak team that's granted that happens every now and then. I think we're, it's going to have to be the Mercer Bears this time around. FSU played them actually this year in a three-game set. They swept them early on in the season. I believe it was the third series of the third home series yep. of the season, third weekend series. They won FSU beat Mercer Bears nine to five, twelve to one, and five to one. So. I think if we get if FSU gets to Mercer, they're not really going to struggle too much with them, considering they only gave up seven runs over three games. So yeah, I don't know. Do you think Mercer has a chance, or do you think they can make some noise? Maybe in no. This? Obviously, the, the weakest team, the number four seed in this region. Um, this is a much different Florida State team in my eyes uh, when they last when they played here at Dick Hauser in Tallahassee. Um, the, the offense for state, you know, the freshman, if, if, if you remember the freshman on this Florida state team, the Robbie Martins, the Elijah Cabells, the Nander DeSantis is, had an amazing start to the season, uh, against, uh, you know, during Florida state's non-con schedule, beating up on teams like Maine and Youngstown state. And then, and then Mercer at home. Um, and, and the pitching was a lot more confident. And, and even though Florida state mm-hmm. played a lot of weak opponents to start the season, as many college baseball teams do. I think when these games were played, you looked at this Florida State team and said they could make it back to Omaha, and it didn't seem like that crazy of an idea for Florida State to to compete for a national championship in Mike Martin's final season. You look at it now, and and Florida State was one of the last five teams in the tournament. They were lucky to just be there. Um, So, yeah, I don't think – I think if Florida State came up against Mercer again, uh, they wouldn't have any issues uh, getting, getting past them. Um, but I don't think they're going to have as easy of a time just kind of beating up on the Bears like they did back at the beginning of March. Yeah, and I have to agree with that. And they FSU's this I like you said this is a completely different Florida State team since what was that February? So I mean, or early March. For yeah, that March first through the third so is when I that think- series took place. Yeah, so this team has completely changed. There have been guys that have stepped up, guys that have fallen back, guys that just haven't shown up since then. So I think for this FSU team, I think we've 
come to the conclusion that this first game against FAU is crucial, just like every for every yeah. team. The first game of any regional is the most important game all the way down to your very last. So FSU will be taking the Owls on at noon tomorrow afternoon. Friday, we are recording this on Thursday. So what do you, let's get some predictions for this regional. Who do you think is going to be the – who do you think is going to come out of this regional? Does this game, does this series go to that very final elimination game that it usually comes down to? What are your um, thoughts? You know, looking at these first two games, um, FAU and Florida State. If you're talking, you know, as a, you know, from a neutral perspective, I think this is going to be one of the most entertaining games in this regional. Um, two talent-filled mm-hmm. rosters, the potential for for really good offense from Florida State. You know, FAU can do it. Um, but, you know, when Florida State, when their bats are hot, they are hot, you know, with Robbie Martin, Drew Mendoza, and J.C. Flowers. Um, I do I, – I, I will have to pick FAU. I think they're a little more consistent, mm-hmm. and I know they're not – you know, they don't play in a tough conference like, like the ACC. But Florida State, they're just not trustworthy enough to, to pick them in this game. Uh, but as for the rest of the regional, I think, I think George is going to have a real easy time getting through Mercer, getting through FAU, and and going on to play the winner of the uh, Baton Rouge Regional for a chance to go to Omaha. All right, and we'll get into the other regionals around the nation just after we're done with our predictions. But I'm going to have to go against you on this first game here. I think Florida State, they're going to come out and they're going to play with their hair, like their hair's on fire. Because Martin, we've heard this for the past couple of years, every time they get into postseason, it's the second season. you got you got to erase everything that you learned about this team from the first part of the season, that regular season, which was iffy, like yeah. we said, a, a bit inconsistent from this team. So I think, I think FSU is going to come out there and play like a whole new team. I think Parrish is going to have a certain calmness to him that he's not going to let this moment get too big for him. And I think FSU is going to come out. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I think it'll end up being about five to six Florida State. So I think it'll be an entertaining game for sure, like you said. But I think they're going to be FSU will be taking on the Georgia Bulldogs in the second round. And ultimately, I think Georgia will go on to win this regional. But I think FSU is going to make some noise early on and give some teams a little scare for a second. Well, it, it, the thing is, is if Florida State were to get past FAU, and I think I think it's going to be a close game, probably a one or two run game, like like you were thinking. Um, it is important to know mm-hmm. that the last pitch Drew Parrish threw in a regional game was a walk-off home run uh, in Tallahassee, <laughs> giving up the walk-off home run. And I think that's going to be an important storyline. And everyone on that team and every, every fan, Florida State fan that travels to Athens this weekend, that's going to be on their mind uh, when Drew Parrish takes the mound. Um, but if Florida State can get past FAU, then you're turning the ball over to C.J. Van Eyck to go against the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And we've seen how dominant Van Eyck can be against some of the top baseball programs in the country. A beautiful performance against mm-hmm. NC State uh, last week in, uh, in the ACC championship. Extremely impressive. So, I, you know, if Florida State can pull off a, a win and, and do it in a somewhat convincing fashion against FAU, I don't think it's that far out of the realm of possibility for C.J. Van Eyck to go out and throw another great game against Georgia and, and give Florida State a chance to make it out of this regional. But like I said, I'm, I'm not convinced that Parrish is going to be able to step up and get the job done. Mm-hmm. I don't even – yeah, like I don't even think it has to, this game has to be one in convincing fashion for FSU. I think it's just get by. If you can – just win's a win at this point. Just try and sneak out with something here. And if you can, it's just all the more power to the Seminoles here. 
So I think just that win will give them that little motivation to maybe go on and beat the dogs if they get there. Yeah, and well, so, there's something to, to be said also, about this being Mike Martin's last season. I thought that was going to give them the mm-hmm. motivation in the regular season uh, when they seem to be struggling a lot, especially in ACC play. Um, so, I, but Martin has said it, uh, you know, over and over. This is a new season. Um, everything that happened in the regular season is out the window. Gary, you and I both have seen firsthand when this Florida State lineup is clicking, what they can do to an opposing team's pitching staff mm-hmm. over the course of a weekend. So you get into this regional, and if Florida State gets hot, I don't care who FAU, Georgia, or Mercer throws at them, they're going to be hitting. Um, so if, if they can come out hot against FAU tomorrow afternoon against uh, Blake Sanderson, I, I, I really do have the belief that the sky is the limit. Uh, we're just going to have to hold it, hold up uh, – hold FAU and Georgia and whoever they come up against uh, to the least amount of runs as possible. Yeah. And I think, I think I've said, I think you've said it multiple times on Tomahawk talk. You've just gone off and said, a win's a win. Yeah. No, you don't that. Know. You said, I've, yeah, you have said that. Yep. And so FSU just, I think it's just get through this game. I don't care how you win it. Just win the dang ball game. And cause this FSU team, I mean, my problem with them is that they've, this the Louisville series was pretty much just a microcosm of the whole season as a whole when they lost four when they lost fourteen to one in game one. Yep. <laughs> four, they won fourteen to three and then they lost eleven to nothing. It's just like it was roller coaster. It was it felt like the stock market at times where it just kept going up and down and up and down. And it's like where is this gonna end? Where are they gonna find some consistency and where do some of the things like the errors stop? Like this FSU team has seventy five errors on the season. It's just I believe two guys at least have uh, 15. I think it is DeSatis. And Mendoza. What is it? Er, is, yeah, DeSatis and, Mendo- yeah, and Mendoza both have 15, and then Salvatore has 10. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just it's, if you can limit those errors, it's it's winning the last column. It's plain and simple. I, we've said that I think this is now the third episode in a row where we missed on talking shop where we have talked about winning the last column, whether it be FSU baseball or FSU softball. So, that's going to come, I think for this FSU team, it comes down to the last column and the pitching for them. Yeah. And, and if, if I were Mike Martin, uh, I, I would really heavily consider, and I know they've experimented it, experimented with it in some of the midweek games, uh, using um, a relief pitcher to start this game. Um, again, this is mm-hmm. me, uh, the razor voice side of me coming out, using an opener in this game. You could start off with a JC <laughs> Flowers, bring in a little more heat to start the game, get throw those FAU hitters off balance, then go to a Drew Parrish for hopefully four or five innings out of the bullpen. And then, you know, you could blink and you're in the seventh inning and you can have a four or five nothing lead, four or five one lead. Uh, and then you've got guys you can turn it over to like a Shane Rohan or a Connor Grady or an Antonio Belez uh, and give yourself mm-hmm. a little bit more room to be comfortable. Um, but Parrish, you know, he, he's been – the ERA right now is at, is at 4 a one and mm-hmm. say he gives up five runs against FAU, is Florida State's offense going to be able to get them, keep them in that game? I'm not convinced of it. Um, so, if I, yeah, if I were Martin, I'd at least consider using an opener, throwing J.C. Flowers out there to start the game uh, and, and, and kind of try to give Florida State any sort of advantage uh, that they can find in this one. Yeah, and I, as much as I'd love to see this opener, I like – my problem is with J.C. Flowers is do we does FSU and Coach Martin want to burn him early 
and so that they can't use him in the latter half of this game if they do get up in runs, if they do get up there. Are they going to want to have that good arm, that solid arm in their pen just gone? That, that's a fair point, and, and, and it really it would really come down to the fact is like, do you value getting the outs in the first inning as much as you value them in the ninth inning? Um, and mm-hmm. if it's if it's a if it's a mental thing like Flowers is used to coming out in the ninth, and obviously you want him to play center field as well. Um, but it's it's just something that I think if I know they've already announced Parrish as the starter. But if all of a sudden J.C. Flowers is warming up to take them out in the first inning, um, you know, that, that's going to give you some sort of advantage in the early on that you hope your offense can jump out and take the lead before Parrish even takes them out. Yeah, and this FSU team, when it feels like whenever they get down by certain numbers, whether it be big or small, they kind of say – it seems like they check out a bit. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's, it's very rare that you find this team getting down and getting punched in the mouth first and then coming back and responding well. So I think, I think that's where the opener role can come in and come and can work for this team, where it does get them that couple inning, inning or two of solid work, maybe one run or maybe zero runs, and it gives them that chance to be like, hey, we got a chance here. We yeah. can actually take some runs and steal a game here from the Owls or whoever it be. So I think that is – that could have been a consideration, but I think ultimately like they did end up deciding they decided to just stick with their ace, Drew Parrish, or their ace quote unquote. Quote unquote. Yeah, I was and, about to add that yeah, for you. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, not maybe not the the statistical ace this season, but my the the Jose Urania, my ace ace. <laughs> <laughs> well so you're looking at the four state lineup and obviously not the same numbers that FAU is putting up and you can you mm-hmm. can say that some of that is due to the fact that they play in the ACC. I think definitely a lot of it I'd is. I'd say it's due to inconsistency. Well, yeah, but you look at the top – two of the top three hitters in, in the lineup. Obviously, Robbie Martin has had an amazing season as a freshman. Um, but Mike Salvatore and Drew Mendoza, both of whom are in their last seasons with the team. Um, Salvatore is a senior, and Mendoza most likely is going to get drafted pretty high next week. Um it's going to be a lead by example regional for Florida State. If Salvatore and Mendoza mm-hmm. get hot, can keep getting on bases, putting guys like Elijah Cabell and Nando DeSantis in position to succeed, put them in that spot where they can drive in runs with a sack fly. And, and, and then that's, that's when the runs and the hits start flowing together as a team. You know, if, if Reese Albert can, you know, is going to be playing in right field, if he can get on base and set up to say this, or all he has to do is knock the ball into right field and, you know, scores a run. It's the stuff like that that's going to give Florida State the edge. And that's what really gets their lineup clicking. Um, and, and like I said, no matter who FAU would throw at him or Georgia would throw at him, uh, I, I think – Florida State is capable of, of scoring runs against any pitcher in the country. Um, it's just a matter of if they can get clicking. Yeah, and I was about to say this. When going down for the roster, you got their top three hitters, Martin Salvatore, Mendoza. Who on this roster do you think is going to be is going to have to step up and going to need to be that X factor for this team? Because obviously you can have your three guys click and be hitting well, and still lose a game four to five or whatever it may be. I personally, I would have to go with Elijah Cabell because this kid, when he can make contact with the ball and he can see the ball well, it is something else. And this kid's, I saw this from the first practice that I went to when I, for preseason interviews, 
the way the ball jumped off this kid's bat and the way it has jumped off his bat when he makes that really solid contact, it's something – it's just special. Yeah, he might have I, – I, I think he does probably have the most pure power on this team, and he's probably one of the smaller guys in the lineup, if not the smallest guy in the mm-hmm. lineup. Um, but yeah, like you know, when the, when the, when he barrels up a baseball, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna leave the ballpark. Um, but as a freshman, mm-hmm. uh, we've kind of seen him have those struggles at the plate, on the bases. He's an aggressive ball player, which I like to see. Though those are always exciting to watch. Um, but you look at you mm-hmm. know, 164 at bats this season, 88 strikeouts. That is probably yeah, the most like eye popping statistic uh, on this Florida State baseball team. Um, but but another another big one is only a 220 batting average, but a 415 slugging percentage. So when he does make mm-hmm. contact, he's driving to the gap. He's hitting. Yes, he had seven home runs on the season. It's extra base hits. 25 RBIs, and so yeah, I have to agree with you there that if Cabell is having a good weekend in this regional tournament, he'll drive in runs. He will be an X factor yep. because when he's hitting, he's hitting the ball well. Um, Mm-hmm. Another another one to look at, I think, would be Reese Albert. Um, maybe not played as many games as he would have hoped this yep. season. He's dealt with some injury issues and some other things. Um, but again, another one of Florida State's top players. He's been with the program. He's got a two ninety five batting average, twenty six RBIs, and only thirty eight games played. Uh, and that five hundred four slugging percentage is, is something he can hang his hat on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think I think it's really I think we could say agree on this that maybe the X factor for this team other than errors and pitching can be if the outfield can click and the outfield can be hitting well, this team's going to win. Cause when J- oh, JC yeah. gets going, when Elijah gets going, when this whole outfield gets going, it's, it's impressive and it can certainly do some damage in the way uh, on the scoreboard. Yeah. And I know, and I know they're losing a few really key players this season um, in Mendoza and in Salvatore, who's put together a really great season at the plate. Um, but mm-hmm. to watch, to, to get the chance to watch Robbie Martin, Nander DeSantis, and Elijah Cabell, the, the core of that freshman class grow for the next few seasons at Florida State. I mean, this could be by the time they're juniors and seniors getting ready to either graduate or go in the draft or, or what have you, um, they could they could Florida State, if they continue to recruit well, could be back at that status where they're competing for national championships. Exactly. And obviously that's all gonna come down probably to the next head coach of this team. I don't know where this head coaching search is going to go. We've talked about it before on Talking Shop. I don't know if you have any other ideas we've gone through. And we, Luke and I, Luke Fay, have agreed on Love Lady is one of the better options. Yep. We've talked about Coach McCormick at FAU. Probably doesn't want to come up here based off some conversations that I've had with some people close to him. But I don't know. Do you have any idea if well, for I've next got... up on head coaching list? I've got two candidates that I know are being considered. Um, I don't know, okay. how, you know, if, if they're finalists or how closely they're being considered. Um, but one, this mm-hmm. one might shock you a little bit is David Ross, a uh, former major league catcher played for the Boston Red Sox, the Chicago Cubs. He's a Tallahassee guy. I know his name has been thrown mm-hmm. around and talked about. Um, so that's one name to look out for. And, and another one mm-hmm. is, uh, is Joe Urso at the University of Tampa. Um, they've won, okay. I think they've won three or four national championships under him at the division two level. They're competing for another one this season. Um, and, and I know you've mentioned love lady and a couple other coaches from the state of Florida, when it comes to recruiting, being able to get, bring in a college coach that has recruiting experience in Florida is essential. 
because I also know yes. there are people that Florida State have, have been recruiting for the last couple seasons with Mike Martin Jr. as the recruiting coordinator, that if Mike Martin Jr. is not named head coach of the Florida State baseball team, they will take their talents elsewhere. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, that's fair enough, obviously. But I like that idea with uh, going with UT's head coach. He has done – what I've – I haven't followed them probably as closely as you have considering you're from that area. But from looking at them at a glance from what I've heard of them is that they are just – if you want to go play good, solid baseball and you don't want to go play D2 in the state, it's pretty – or D Juco or D3, it's a solid, solid program. And a lot of guys will – don't – won't go and play D1. They'll just go and play D2 yeah. and stick it out over in and, Tampa. And, and they'll the send guys place. to the pros too. You know, they, they are exactly. a, a top-notch college baseball program. And I know I mentioned a little bit earlier that some of these teams uh, in Florida that aren't – big division one schools that aren't the Florida, Florida States of, of, of the country. Um, some of these schools in Juco and division two are just as good, if not better than some of your quote unquote blue blood programs at other parts across the country. Exactly. And so now I think that's pretty much it for all that we got on Florida state baseball and this Athens regional. Let's dive into a little bit of the rest of the, the rest of the, bracket for the NCAA tournament we got UCLA UCLA is the number one overall seed they will be in the LA regional of course they have number two Baylor number three L was that Loyola Marymount I believe LMU LMU that's probably right I I might be wrong but let's check this uh let's get Loyola Marymount yep you nailed it all right perfect okay sweet I know what I'm talking about here um so yeah that should be that's one of the easier regionals. Obviously, Baylor can make some noise. Omaha is looking to go back home to Omaha, which may be unlikely. <laughs> Who knows? I hey. believe they're from the Horizon League. <laughs> yeah, we, we've seen we've seen wackier things before in this NCAA baseball tournament. Um, but, yeah, Omaha, right. yeah, Omaha's a bit of a long shot. Yeah, let's keep on going down the, on the NCAA website. I'm going down the left side next on Corvallis with Creighton. Michigan and Cincinnati, Oregon State. I think I may have missed. I didn't think uh, Oregon State. Oregon State is the reigning national champions. So they obviously they're in a bit of different position. They're not as good as they were last season, but they are still a pretty darn good ball club, yeah. and they can't be scoffed at. No, so no, oh, yeah, Oregon State. They lost. They lost some of their some of their bigger talent. Um, all coming mm-hmm. off of last year's national championship season. Um, but you look at the rest of their regional Cincinnati, maybe can make some noise. Um, Michigan. Yeah. Put up a really great 41 and 18, um, but in the big 10, which isn't normally a great baseball conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were then, one of also the last four. Yeah. So probably well, along with FSU. as long as Florida state. Yeah. Um, and, and then Creighton yeah. who, who put again, put together a really great regular season. Um, but you, you, t- you look at some of the programs coming out of the pac 12, uh, in, in, in Oregon State is just they they have ball players uh, and again I don't think they're gonna have oh, any issue yeah. on this one. Yeah, and their catcher obviously I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he is obviously a highly touted prospect going into the MLB draft next week. Yeah. Continuing on, we got I I'm just gonna go through and look at some of the ones that I find a bit more interesting. The Lubbock Regional, which is Texas Tech, Dallas Baptist as the two seed, Florida as the three, and Army as the four. That's one of the more that's one of the tougher ones I'd say out there, along with the Athens regional. Texas Tech obviously made a solid run 
at Omaha or trying to get to Omaha last year, but fell a bit short or did, did they make it all the way there or did they just fall short? I am. Um, I think they, I think they made it. I have to they may have that. made it if they, if they did congrats to them on that. Cause I forgot, but Dallas Baptist is obviously one of those teams like FAU where they kind of just like lurk in the background, but they can make some noise every now and then. And they've certainly, made their presence known again as they are the two seed in this Lubbock regional. And then they got the Gators as well, who Mm -hmm. have had a down year consider they've been kind of on the downturn since their national title two two seasons ago. And they, I don't know, they, I was concerned that Florida may not even make the tournament this year after they had that early exit in the SEC tournament. So it was a surprise that they jumped in and go on. You look, you look at this regional and in and, and Florida, obviously not a Florida type season that they've been having. They've struggled a lot, only got to 33 wins in the season, including three against Florida State. Um, but if, you, if, if, if they could have gotten a better draw with their region, uh, I'd, I'd want to see it as a three seed um, because I really think they have a chance to make it out of this region um, and, and get a chance to play. Uh, in a super regional um, Dallas Baptist is loaded mm-hmm. with talent, um, but they're not one of those tried and tested college baseball programs. Texas tech may be more so, but again, Florida still has an insane amount of talent. Even after losing a bunch of guys to the draft and, you know, graduating a bunch of their top players uh, after that national championship a couple of years ago. Um, if you're looking yeah, for and a, this, I go ahead. And then, and then this is like, like I said about FSU's regional in Athens, this is another one of those three-team regionals where if you say Florida, Dallas Baptist, or Texas Tech wins that region, you're not going to bat now. You're going to be like, okay, that makes sense. I could have said yeah. that. So no, definitely. I think another one that – another interesting one is the Fayetteville regional, Arkansas as the one, Cal as the two, TCU as three, and Central Connecticut as four. Cal is some Cal is a team that's been piquing my interest this season with Andrew Vaughn and him as a draft prospect, mainly for my, my, my Miami Marlins. But I think this is also another one of those three team regionals. And I think TCU obviously being the powerhouse that they have been the past few years, same with Arkansas too. This is just another regional that's going to be, I'd say must watch. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of fun baseball this weekend, Uh, but if you're looking for, Mm -hmm. you you just want to see a team, stacked with some great ball players. Uh, you got to look at this Arkansas Razorback team. Uh, they're one of my picks to win the national championship. One of the teams, okay. the two or three teams that I think really have a shot at doing it. Um, and, and, and Cal and TCU, obviously, you know, usually put up some, have some really good teams. Um, but the, the level that Arkansas has been playing at this year, I don't see any of the teams in this regional uh, having a shot against them. Okay, really? You're not even giving Cal or – wow. I, I think Arkansas is at a different level this year. Okay, I can see that. Hey, I'm not going to knock it. We'll wait and see how that plays out. But then going on to one of the last ones that I find as a truly interesting uh, region, we got the Atlanta Regional, Georgia Tech, Auburn, Coastal Carolina, and Florida A&M, FAMU, one of our friends over in Tallahassee. So – that one's been cool to me, kind of, because Georgia Tech's just had this upturn in the season where they are, I believe, they're a third seed overall in yep, the nation. Number three. So, 
they James Rams also I just wanted to bring this up because of James Ramsey James Ramsey was the hitting coach for FSU at in the fall of the season going into the spring and then out of nowhere just before the season starts in the spring he announces that he's going over to Georgia Tech to be their hitting coach yeah and no. they've had one heck of a season a at great the season so yeah no. I think that was just mm-hmm, go on no, I, I'm just saying that, you know, the a testament to, to Ramsey and, and what he's done with that roster um, to get them to a 41-17 and 17 record, um, you know, a record that we thought Florida State would be capable of. And you look at their lineup, mm-hmm. got, you know, they have Kyle McCann with 23 home runs and 66 RBIs. I mean, at college baseball, that's incredibly impressive. <laughs> um, and yeah, and the- they're, they're going to – they – they're going to be the one of the teams to be in in the entire tournament. Yeah, and they got and they have a pretty tough region too with Auburn. Auburn's had a pretty good season, one of their better ones, as they have kind of always sat around that three or four seed. They are now a two seed in this Atlanta regional, mm-hmm. and then Coastal Carolina, national champion, a couple yeah. of years back. So I mean, this is not an easy regional as well. So no. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you know Auburn. 33 and 25, but playing in an extremely tough SEC. Coastal Carolina mm-hmm. coming off a national championship, I believe, three seasons ago. I think they won it the year before Florida did. Um, yes, that is true. And a, and a Florida AM team that is red hot coming off winning their conference, getting a spot in the tournament. Um, that, you know, mo- momentum in any, I think, in any college sport, and once you get into these national tournaments, momentum plays a big role in it. Um, and in a sport like baseball, where where literally anything can happen. Um, Georgia Tech, despite having a great season, uh, is going to have their backs to the wall in uh, in this regional thing. Exactly. And is there any other region? Uh, that's thing. That's all I got for my must-watch regionals of the weekend. Anything else you got in terms of who, yeah. what region you like, or any team to look out for? Yeah, in terms of competitiveness, I think we covered the the, the ones that are going to be the most intriguing. Um, but if you want to watch, I don't know, maybe some domination, uh, just look ahead about that, that Vanderbilt regional. Um, they're going to probably mm-hmm. just steamroll Ohio State and then either McNeese or Indiana State. Um, so if you just want to see some really quality baseball, some great hitting and some uh, even better pitching, um, watching Vanderbilt kind of steamroll through that regional uh, could, could, could be entertaining to some. Yeah, and that should be another fun one. Uh, yeah, that's – and also I think Louisville is going to be one of those other regionals where it's going to be – a team just kind of rolling on through there with Indiana, Illinois State, and University of Illinois, Chicago. One of the more one of the weirder ones, considering the area those three other schools are from. Yeah. So, I don't know. I found that a bit interesting. I would have hoped FSU could have been swapped into that regional somewhere, but obviously they don't want to pair ACC with ACC. But nope. I think yeah. So and so you've already said. I think you've said your is, is Arkansas your pick to win it all or. Or yeah, do you I'm, have your definite pick. I'm I'm looking at Arkansas and Vanderbilt, um, but you know when I'm looking at that the, the Arkansas statistics and, and the sheer number of guys that they have can hit the ball out of the park, uh, four guys in their lineup with double digits and home runs, uh, and Isaiah Campbell, a great ace for the Razorbacks. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the the Arkansas Razorbacks are my pick to win the national championship. Okay, and I. I don't know. I haven't given it that much thought yet. You obviously came prepared and credit to you. Thank <laughs> you for doing that. Uh, I'm, I think I might just go chalk here. I think I might just take the number one overall seed, the UCLA Bruins. 
47 and eight season. I know this doesn't happen too often where the number one overall seed wins, but I think this team is just different compared to all the others. And I, I mean, it's just difficult to go against them with the numbers that they've had. They have, was this one, they have about five players batting over 300. They have, I don't know how many total home runs on the season. They have 56 home runs. They have a team slugging of 473. They're just a, they're just solid hidden ball club. And then on the pitching side, they have two solid pitchers in Ryan Garcia and Jack Ralston who can really shove it for them. So both of which are undefeated. Uh, Garcia is 9-0 and Ralston is 11-0. So obviously they can win some ball games for you out there. So I think that's it that what we got for this NCAA regional preview. We will be back later on in the week, dependent on when FSU is bounced or if they do get bounced. Ooh, so and you're saying they're going to get bounced, Gary. <laughs> I'm saying this. I said if they I said if they were to they be bounced. bounced. If, if they get bounced, when they get bounced, I don't know where this series is going to go. So I think that's all for us. Uh, thank you for Brett for joining me this episode. We appreciate you having on. I'll anticipate you probably being on for the regional recap. So watch yeah. up on that baseball this weekend. I know I will. It's going to be a fun weekend. And, oh, yeah. So go subscribe to Raise Your Voice with Brett. Go subscribe to or go follow Brett on Twitter. Give us a follow at FSU Sports. Like and subscribe. Sub- not really like. Subscribe to Talk and Shop on Apple Sports. Apple Podcast and Spotify, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. All right, see you guys.